This is Bruce Boxleitner, currently not getting paid to do a promo. Fuck off. <laughs> Return of the Jedi makes the action with Presto Magic's Return of the Jedi Super Transfer Set, you get a big action board and over 150 Star Wars transfers to make the action come alive. Watch this! Here comes Darth Vader! Oh no! Hold on, Han, I'll save you! Presto Magic's with all of your favorites makes Go the action come alive. That is a tune that I've carried in my head since I was eight. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's better oh. than repressing childhood memories of being raped. I mean, <laughs> I guess yeah. We can talk about uh. The... Maybe that's that's what's covering them up, Michael. <laughs> we can talk about Super Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, the video game. Oh, oh. So yes. you want to get me to start yes. swearing? Is that what you're oh, saying? God. Yes. So. All right. Here's yes, what I'm thinking. Definitely. We need to stop talking about it, and we need to start, start talking doing it, about yeah. it. Doodly, doodly, do it. I like okay. foreplay. We better start. Yeah, but for 14 hours? (laughs) That's what makes you guys excellent podcasters. After three hours, you're supposed to go to the doctor because that ain't normal. (laughs) Yeah, I love those commercials. If you get an erection lasting more than four hours, seek immediate male attention. Fuck that, I'm going to seek a woman's what I'm going to seek. Then seek medical attention, yes. Get your priorities straight, America. (laughs) America. Wake up, wake up, America. America. America, fuck yeah. <laughs> Who is bringing this bitch in anyway? I'm bringing right. it in. I'm preparing. Jesus I'm clearing Christ my throat. Almighty, you've had 14 hours of preparation. Let's go. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Choo Choo Freaks, Return of the Jedi. Sit down. Have yourself a nice glass of water. Pull up a chair. And remember to turn the page when R2-D2 says... Fuck you! Together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Would you get going, you pirate? Hello and welcome to Return of the Jedi Month. <laughs> this is another episode, marketing merchandise and memories. And as you can hear, Scott Gardner's <laughs> already been hitting the bottle for this one. <laughs> yeah, 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 you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> yes. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I'm not quite there and yet, but I'm I'm working on it. I have to hit This yeah, this um as as you can hear, there's uh, well, maybe you couldn't hear since everybody was talking like Pete Hesh there, but we have 
we have a peanut gallery of of two joining us tonight. We've got Mr. Michael Bailey and Josh Bertoni. Yay! Hello. <laughs> awesome, awesome timing, guys. <laughs> it's almost like we planned it. Um, Most. And we are going to be discussing in a sort of little three-pronged plan here. We're going to start off with the, um, well, you know, the marketing, the lead up to Return of the Jedi, you know, what we thought was going to happen, all the the rumors behind it. And then we'll uh, wiggle our way into the merchandising, which will be toys and games and songs and dances and all that's all the stuff that's just the stuff of Merchandising, um, where the real money from of the Return movies of the made. Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know all the you know. I mean, we have we had a special episode on the comic, and you know on, on on the movies themselves, and this is just all the other stuff, the soundtracks, and then we'll just sort of bring it out with a, a special s- segment focusing on the mammarian part of. Return of the Jedi, and you know, a lot of people go, "Oh, it's going to be a cheap Princess Leia in her bikini to it." But no, folks, there's more to it than that. We pro- as two true freaks, we promise that there'll be more to the memories than just Princess Leia in a metal bikini. But we like really, to go beyond is, the bikini, behind the bikini, you know, behind the to, bikini, to, get to, yes. <laughs> to the skin of you know the matter, and mm-hmm. you know, just behind the bikini. <laughs> yes. A lot two of guys true freaks get, behind the bikini. I was about to say, a lot of guys want to get behind the bikini. <laughs> Maybe not anymore. Come on. Maybe not I anymore. Don't I don't know. Out of principle, maybe. Yeah, I was about to say, yes. out of principle. And we're all a bunch of principled guys here, yes, yeah, so maybe. Okay. I mean, that's still hella bragging point. rights, even, even with the way she looks yeah. today. Come on. And she's lost a bunch yeah. of weight. Yeah, I see those commercials every day. <laughs> and she's crazy, so you know it's going to be fun. <laughs> well, she's crazy. That means that she's there's more of a chance that she would be attracted to me. So, yeah. Everyone was <laughs> thinking the same thing. Okay, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here, folks, even though it's hard to, especially, you know, with Scott, you know, the focus when boobies are in, in view... Scott's focus, you know, he could drive off the road. So. <laughs> He's focused. Focused on all that scattered ass. <laughs> <laughs> Boobies. So, so, <laughs> so let's let's start out in, in the pre pre Jedi days. Right. When uh when we didn't know what the hell was going on. Yep. Yeah, you guys should go first on that because I have a very different Because we're the old farts? Yeah, well, yeah, but you guys have a very different perspective on it than I do, so. Well, to me, there's really two big things I wanted to talk about in the in the pre-movie, you know, the, the marketing phase of the movie, I guess you would say, is uh, the, the two big memories that stand out for me was the name of the movie. You know, right up, it seemed like it was right up pretty much until the release when it was Revenge of the Jedi. I yes. still like that name better. I don't give a shit about Lucas's, well, you know, the Jedi or, you know, they don't take revenge. It's like, come on. It's just a better both. name. I mean, Return of the Jedi is just kind of a pussier name. You know what I mean? I wanted Revenge of the Jedi. It just sounds more, you know, over the top, more like, oh, yeah, this movie's going to kick some ass, which, you know, the movie could have done with a little more ass kicking, I think. I gotta tell you, the 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 emperor getting tossed down a hole is pretty much 
the Revenge of the Jedi. Yep, that's pretty much it. But, you know, I, I never bought that whole story of his, that, you know, he changed it because he realized that that was going counter to the Jedi way. And come on. He changed it because uh, Star Trek II, I can't remember what the original name of that was. It was something like The Vengeance of Khan or something like that. So, ironically, both the movies ended up changing their names because neither one of them wanted, you know, Venge in there somewhere. So, I just think that that, you know, that's actually kind of pretty ironic. That and, uh, you know, the speculation, you know, leading up to the movie, you know, things like, you know, who was the other that Yoda talked about and everything. And uh, I was thinking about this the other day and it finally hit me. I, I remember we talked about this in a prior episode and I could not remember who the three people on my list were, like the three possibilities of who I thought the other would turn out to be. And I remembered that one of them was Leia and I remembered that one of them was uh, was Boba Fett, but I wasn't really sold on either one of them. But I could not remember who my Wedge number one was. Choice. The and other it was one Wedge, yeah, was... and that's who it was. And and my my big reasoning for Wedge was solely because he was the only other guy we knew of besides Luke who had survived the Battle of the Death Star and the Battle at Hoth. And they kind of kept him around. Yeah, you know? yeah, and he was always in the back. I I really figured that the the other would be revealed to be somebody that we knew because i remember you know thinking that man you know if this other turns out to be some you know brand new character out of left field or something that i was going to be really pissed you know i'd feel really ripped off and i really didn't think that that's what it was going to be i i felt that that hint was dropped because it was going to be revealed to be somebody that we knew all along you know whether it was you know somebody front and center like Leia, or whether it was somebody just kind of backgroundish like Wedge that would get you know two lines a movie or something like that. But I, I was pretty convinced it would be somebody that we at least had seen before. Leia was on my list solely for the scene where where Luke had called to her, you know, in in Empire, you know, when he was dangling from the weather vane. I think Lucas did that. I think that was at the time. I remember arguing with you about that, at, arguing at length about all of those. You know, I don't know who I thought it. I thought it was. You know what? I pretty much. I think I thought it was a dead end, like the midichlorians. It was a red herring. You know that they threw out a MacGuffin. Right. You know, just something that he threw out to like have you chew on while uh, he did something else. So I didn't really expect another to. Right. To pop up at all after that. I thought that was just going to be mentioned once and discarded. And now, you know, almost 30 years later, I can't remember what the hell my reasoning was for having Boba Fett on the list. Maybe just other than I thought you Boba just Fett wanted was cool. Him to yeah, be, I like you him. wanted to see him get a lightsaber and go to town. <laughs> that would be cool, actually. Yeah. But, you know, the other big thing was, you know, was, was Vader lying or was he telling the truth, you know, about being Luke's father? And to me, that was always one of those just givens. I just, I never had any doubt. I, I just, for whatever reason, yeah. I accepted it, you know, that, okay, that makes sense, that works. To me, to my mind, it just, that was logical, you know? But I remember getting into big arguments with people, and I remember one of them was uh, my Uncle John. We used to go to his family's place. He, he come from a, a family of money, you know, and they had this like pseudo mansion where we would go sometimes in the summer and we'd have like family get togethers and play ball and stuff. And his younger sister, Katie was uh, a really big star Wars fan. And I remember her getting like, we got into this argument that almost came to blows 
about that early podcasting thing. experience. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but she uh, she just absolutely steadfastly refused to believe it. And it's funny because here I was the one taking the logical approach and she was the one taking like the emotional, well, it just can't be true approach. And that was pretty much her argument. Well, it just can't be. But she couldn't it's make impossible. a case, you know. And now today I'm very, I'm the one that usually ends up in the very emotional kind of arguments, you know. And so it's it's just kind of funny. But you were still right. Now, you know, now somewhere every once in a while when she sees Return of the Jedi on TV, she goes, ah, Scott was right. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so what do you guys sure, got? Hopefully... I was uh, waiting another two years to be born, but uh, my Aunt Lisa... <laughs> oh. My my Aunt Lisa told me, like, leading up to the movie, that the big deal between her and her friends was there was actually some speculation over if Luke was going to turn to the dark side. And apparently, I don't um, – now, I didn't see these trailers or TV spots, but uh, one of them had the shot of uh, Luke and Vader riding up to the Emperor's throne room. And that's, like, what made her and her friends speculate because the door opens and there's just Luke standing calmly beside Vader. You can't tell that he's handcuffed, and he just kind of looks at him. And she says that there was a movie theater in a mall that they went to. And, like, um, while they were waiting online to get their tickets for the movie, they got, like, the Return of the Jedi book. And they started flipping through it. Then they closed it, like, no, 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 we can't. Spoilers. So, um, in, in the absence of using a real story, I'll just borrow one from my aunt. No, that's good, though. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Because I do remember trailers like that, now that you say that, that would show Luke and Vader standing, well, you know, and they were even... They had that scene time. that you were really big on where Luke, ta the, the door opens and Luke looks around, you know, just shifts his eyes around. Right, yeah. Was one of the shots in the trailer. And that trailer was, uh, that uh, every Star Wars trailer, you know, from Empire up has always been awesome and awesome just like pump you up for star warsness but that one was like that one was the big pumper upper because you know we thought that was it you know here it here comes the and luke was all in black too which you'd never seen him like that before usually he was all in white you know and he was all in black and there with darth vader right, yeah yeah. And that's just that was pretty that was pretty intense. My only problem and, with with trailers for Jedi was that it blew the whole thing with Han. You knew Han was back in the movie because he was in all the trailers and is. that used to kind of yeah. bother me because that would be like, you know, having scenes with Spock in a trailer for for Star Trek 3. It totally blows it. You know, cuz it's easy now. Yeah, but I don't think there was any question i don't know i didn't have any question that han was going to get taken out of the carbonite you know i don't know you, you you never knew i mean it's i think it's easy. if he was gonna die it wouldn't be in an anticlimactic like oh i guess carbonite doesn't work for her right whoops you know i mean that would just be that would not that would just not happen well i think there might so, be a tendency know. for people to look back on things like say return of the jedi or star trek 3 and go well pff, of course Spock's coming back, or of course Han's coming back. But, you know, when you were a kid back then, you know, there was that, that buying into it, you know, that, that you really felt a sense of peril for the hero that they they might not make it, you know? Yeah, it, it's there was to... no... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. There, the, there was 
that moment of doubt. And, and that carried all the way into my teenage years reading the Superman books when you read those next issue boxes and you're like, well, what's going to happen? And, you know, the cynical, you know, bastard 35-year-old version of me can kind of look back and laugh at that. But at the same time, you know, it was important because you were so heavily emotionally invested Absolutely. in the property. And that, I think, is, is what makes things like Star Wars so special, is that so many people are that into it. You know, I was, I was seven when Jedi came out. And that's not to make you guys feel old. It's just the fact of the matter. And I had just really gotten into Star Wars uh, the Christmas of 82 when I had my first big Star Wars Christmas. And I got my first big Star Wars Christmas because we saw Star the first Star Wars movie on HBO like earlier that year. Jedi coming out was a big deal because finally I was going to get to see a Star Wars movie in the theater. And that's something I've carried with me all these years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to see certain films in the theater because, well, one, that's kind of where they're designed to be seen. Home entertainment notwithstanding these days, you know, but back in 83, you know, you went to see it in the theater because, yeah, it, it, it'll come on HBO and yeah, it'll come on video. And I vividly remember both of those events happening. Bertoni. Yes. Did you have HBO growing up as a kid? Um, HBO was a thing, but I didn't have it at my house. Okay. Uh, I can't, I can't remember a time when my family didn't have home box office. Uh, And it helped that we like, we're living near where home box office and cable TV in general was born um, in the Wilkes-Barre area of Pennsylvania. And Scott and Chris can probably attest to this when you were a kid and you were watching HBO, you didn't know what was coming on next. And when that right. 20th Century Fox logo started playing, you waited to see if it was going to go. With that. <laughs> it was Da-da-da. a Star Wars, yep. And then you, and then there was the disappointment in like the the rare movie that had it that that wasn't <laughs> Star Wars had the full theme, yeah. But so for me, it wasn't about you know is Luke is Vader Luke's father because like I like I think I've said before. I don't remember seeing Empire before I saw Return of the Jedi. I may have, but I don't remember. And it was all about just going to see Star Wars. And the experience of going to the theater in the in the Wyoming Valley Mall in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, that was... For, for the seven-year-old me, it might as well have been Christmas in May of how important that was. Cause I remember looking at the ad in the paper and us going and, and just being there as the, the music blared and how powerful of an experience it was. And even at that young age, understanding that this was the last film, but the great thing about being that young and just getting into star Wars at that point is even though there weren't new films beyond the you know two Ewok adventures, which were epic events in and of themselves, because it was a Star Wars movie, or at the very least, a Star Wars-related film on network television that was new. That was huge. Um, everything was omnipresent, you know? 
every you know the, the three films were all out so you could watch all of them and the toys were out and it was just oh god i just i just loved seeing jedi in the theater even though i hid from the rancor <laughs> i was seven i was i was a i ran out of the film when bill bixby turned into lou ferrigno <laughs> <laughs> I remember the Horda putting me under the uh, behind the couch for the original series Star Trek when I was a little kid. What's but I know um, scared the kid, so I showed Star Wars too. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. As well, it should. Uh, you know, th- this was you know you have to remember this was well before even the the idea of something like the internet was a gleam in anybody's eye. And I remember, you know, movies like Return of the Jedi just made um, entertainment tonight, you know, and and things like, you know, this was the first one that really, at least to my memory, got like serious coverage to where it was like, you know, every time that show was on, they were trying to inject a little bit more and a little bit more, you know, because it had to be huge for ratings, you know, the little teasers, and I can remember them you know, actually going to the set, you know, where they had like Jabba's sail barge and stuff like that and reporting, you know, on things that were going on. And I love stuff like that, you know, because that was well before Internet and spoilers and all that. Yeah, you can track stuff down easily. Right. Well, there was an Internet for Star Wars. It was called Starlog Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) And, you know, you I love looking through old Starlogs. That, uh, that were, like, before the movie was coming out. Like, even before, like, the stills and the photos started coming out. Because the rumors would be kind of insane. <laughs> I don't remember any specifically, but I remember reading some going, um, where did you arrive at this idea that, you know, <laughs> Luke would turn out to be Han's brother? I mean, where, where are you getting right. that even? So Right out of their butt. <laughs> Straight, straight line out of the butt. Scott, Scott knows. Scott and I know about that. We read one of those in the newsstand and put it right back down. Oh God, yeah. What was that thing so, called? It was. I don't know. It was some like. It was, it was some shady yeah. one-off knockoff. It wasn't star. It was you know like space flight, space fan fantasy or something like you know or something like that. You know. Fantasy film extravaganza number two, you right. know, or something like that. It was on cheap paper. It just, it was Crap. one of those, yeah, it was, it was. I wish we'd bought it. It would be great to have nowadays. I, know, I actually wish we had gotten it now, but it was, you know, back then it was, you know, and this probably still happens today, but it seemed like it happened a, a lot more back then. It was almost like a, like a weekly world news version of, yeah. of, Starlog or something, and it would just be nothing but bullshit stories that speculated on movies that were coming up just for the sake of selling copy, you know? And uh, there was a news story in there about where, you know, it reveals who the other is and basically the whole plot, supposedly, of what Return of the Jedi was going to be. And it revealed the other was going to be Yoda's brother, Adoy which is just Yoda's, you know, Yoda's name backwards. And this was going to be who the other was. And I remember Chris and I literally just sitting down on the floor and reading through this whole damn thing and just looking at each other like, 
all right, we might be kids, but we're not stupid. There's no way in the world this is the plot for Return of the Jedi because it was just completely. Well, plus that his name was Adoy, which was was also Adoy was pretty much what people used in in like duh, right? Actually, at that time, the Adoy. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, completely ridiculous. Um. I'm trying to remember what else in that in that pre well you know they had the whole blue harvest thing and all that where they actually had to pretend to be filming a completely different movie and everything i remember thinking that was really really cool and to this day i would love to get you know like a blue harvest hat or jacket or something like that you know an original you know what i one mean one of the real yeah. Yeah, yeah one of the real thing that would be really cool be, i always thought that would be really neat sure they're on ebay and i'm sure they cheap well this this i think is the part that we've all kind of been uh been uh, ready i've to been get waiting to for is talking about the merchandise because the damn, there was a ton of it i mean you know sure there was a ton of stuff from the original and from empire and all but i think return of the jedi in a lot of ways you know they hit their stride in return of the jedi was yeah a well-oiled machine by that point i mean exactly. they knew what they were doing they knew they knew when to produce the figures they knew what figures to produce, and then they figured out more figures to produce. My my wife, uh, her brother, was my age, and he was huge into Star Wars. And it got to the point where his parents would make him show them in the movie where the figure was. Because they <laughs> had it on video before they would go and buy it for them. Yeah, and sometimes you might have to freeze frame yeah. it for some of the figures they came up with. But uh, that was definitely my realm as far as uh, Star Wars goes because my first Christmas, I got a lot of the Empire figures because they were still the predominant line that was being released. I had one of the transport ships that doubled as my Millennium Falcon because I didn't have a Falcon yet. And I had like all of the Hoth versions of the characters. My first Stormtrooper was a Hoth Stormtrooper. Um, and when I was a kid, he was my favorite. But Christmas of 83, we had moved into a new house, and that was my really big Star Wars Christmas because I got the you know the Millennium Falcon, I got the X-Wing, I got the exploding speeder bike with my now favorite version of the Stormtrooper. I love the Scout Trooper. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just love that armor. It just looks really badass. Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, you know, I had like six, you know, like three different Hans, including my favorite was the the Bespin Han, yeah, or the the Cloud City Han. He was always my, the one with the jacket. Uh, as a kid, I didn't like the vest Han, but that's because I had the hydrocephalic head yeah. figure, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and it just looked odd. But you know, a Darth Vader uh, eventually got Yoda, and this was one of those things is they kept. One, they kept re-releasing figures under the new banner. Right. But two, everyone fucking carried Star Wars figures. Mm -hmm. So you'd have like a drugstore that, right. that ordered it two years ago and it's still sitting on the shelf and that's how you get your Ben Kenobi in 1983. Right. You know, so... And one of my favorite childhood memories outside of getting the Millennium Falcon, because for my playgroup and the kids that I knew going to school, that was if you had the Falcon, you you had the biggest dick on the playground, basically. Yeah. 
Um, there was a kid that had a Death Star playset, but we didn't realize how cool that was at the time. Um, also had the X-Wing, and the X-Wing had the bad damage stickers that you could put on it if you felt like it. And my Aunt yes. Ginny was visiting us, and we were playing Star Wars. She was playing Star Wars with me. She goes, okay, you got damage over and I would fly the X-Wing over to her and she'd put on one of the stickers and by the end of the night, you know, I had battle damaged X-Wing um, but I loved that Luke uh, he was my one and only Luke for the longest time too for some reason uh, until my mother <laughs> this is funny, one day I come home and my mother's reading a letter from school because I was misbehaving and not doing well in this one class and She's like, I shouldn't give you this. And she handed me the uh, the Jedi Luke from Return of the Jedi. And she let me keep it. So, yay. That's, that's how I got my... I'm trying my, to remember uh, if the Jedi Luke... She's had, an enabler. Did he have one black hand? I can't remember. Yes, he did. Did he? Yes, okay. he did. He, he most definitely had a black hand. And for the longest time, I had two Leias. One was the... Uh, you know, Forest Moon Leia, where she was riding the speeder bikes, and the other was uh, her as uh, the bounty hunter. Oh, Bausch, yeah. Uh, Bausch. And uh, I lost very quickly. That when you're a kid, especially that area, it didn't matter. You had a. She was on the adventure, and that mattered and it's just the sheer number of not only figures but you so you guys remember the power coins yes i'm holding one in my hand right now yeah i was getting my story out of the way quickly so chris could tell what i'm holding listen that's two power coins clinking together but can you feel the power? Um, I don't know if it bugged you guys, but I always got annoyed that you only got one stormtrooper. It seemed like there should always be like a, a four pack of stormtroopers because yes. in the movie there was never just one stormtrooper. <laughs> so I had dreams as a kid of having like ten stormtrooper figures so I could line them up around Darth Vader. Yeah, you pull them out of the box and it's like a model kit. They're all like on little pegs and you just break yeah. them off and have just like l columns of them. <laughs> but, that would have uh, been nice. One of my favorites, though, outside of the Falcon and the X-Wing was the exploding speeder bike. I loved that toy. How many other toys did you have that just blew up at the touch of a button and you could put it back together and it was okay? Surprisingly too many. And right now. <laughs> Well, well, I well, that was a stupid question to ask Scott and Chris because they blew their shit up all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just... Just for me, it was like the golden age of having action figures. Though that Christmas was kind of the sign of the times because uh, my parents also got me... Wait, sorry. Santa almost also got me a three-pack of He-Man figures. Ooh. And that would be the next year's obsession. But uh, I played with my Star Wars figures a lot. And I took them outside. And I played with them in the snow. It was just like, it was you know, land, sea, and air. It was, it was like, uh, I lost every bit of the Millennium Falcon. 
Jesus. <laughs> One piece at a time. Pretty much, yeah, it was like a Johnny Cash song, only more depressing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Return of the Jedi. I didn't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Anybody would actually get that reference. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> amazed at uh, Michael's uh, Johnny Cash. Oh, I like Johnny acumen. Cash. I shot a man in Bespin just to watch him die. <laughs> I live um in the city that Johnny Cash had one of his homes in. I just want to hear the Millennium Falcon version <laughs> of One Piece at a Time now. <laughs> I got a one piece at a time and it didn't cost well, me. Well the a deflector dime. shield was a forty three. <laughs> I'm stuck in Jabba's Palace. <laughs> yeah, well, this this Johnny Cash is germane to Star Wars now because Scott, who is Dengar? <laughs> He's mummy cyborg He's Johnny Cash. Cyborg Johnny Cash. <laughs> I need See, to get the, a Dengar figure and put it up on my hutch here. Return of the I Jedi, just, as I, far as Star Wars figures, to me has always been one of those kind of like bittersweet memories because. Yeah, we were we were fifteen when the movie came out, so we were hitting that age where, you know, puff the magic drag, you know, little, uh, you know, a little weird, still playing with with toys and action figures and stuff. I can remember I I bought uh, several of the figures when they first started coming out with the with the Jedi ones. And I I know I had like the speeder bike guy, and two or three other ones, but I I can vividly recall that I got some money from my grandmother and I'm pretty sure it was birthday money because the movie came out in in May and I would have had a, a birthday in April so I think I still had leftover birthday money and I went down to Ames and I bought um the royal guard you know the the imperial guard the red you know the red uh hooded ones with yeah. a, like a real cloth cape and the whole the whole thing and you had the big yeah. stat and that was the last original Kenner figure I ever bought, you know, for myself as a kid. And, and shortly after that, um, I remember there was a time, you know, cause I used to have like, I had two or three collector cases, you know, action figure cases full of star Wars, uh, figures and all the weapons and all that. And I kept up with my shit. You know, I had all the original pieces and all that stuff. I took good care of all my toys I had a ton of like the ships. I had a Death Star place, all that sort of stuff. And whenever we would go to like my grandparents' house, I'd pack all that shit up and take it with me. And uh, and Randy and I would play Star Wars figures. I remember packing it all up, and we went over there to to play. And then we got it all out and unpacked everything and set up all of our our figures and play sets and the ships and that. got everything all ready for a big old Star Wars you know adventure with our action figures. And we no sooner got everything all set up and, and ready to go. And we just kind of stopped and we just kind of looked at each other and was like, you want to go do something else? Yeah, I guess let's just, yeah, I don't really feel like this right now. Packed everything back up, put it all away. I never played Star Wars figures again. And I was just like, you know, it just makes me sad thinking about that, but I can vividly remember like when that happened and actually th the day your childhood yeah, died. Yeah, exactly. Kind of feeling that way at the moment. You know what I mean? Because usually, you know, moments like that, you know, kind of come and go. They're lost on you. At yeah, the time, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I remember vividly at the time. Remember thinking, well, that's that. You know, and it was, and it, it, it was. It, so there's always been a little bit of of 
you know, a, a melancholy memory attached to, to Jedi as far as like the merchandising of it goes, because it was definitely at that age where I didn't have near as much Return of the Jedi stuff as I did from the other two movies, just because I was, you know, I had hit that older age. And I, you know, so as far as like the toys and little knickknack collectibles and stuff like that, I didn't get near as much of that stuff. I didn't, I don't even think I ever got full sets of like all the trading cards. Whereas, you know, the prior two films, I mean, I was obsessed with making sure I had, you know, every single card and all the stickers and, you know, all the glasses that they would offer at Burger King and shit like that. You know, I was crazy right, about right. all that stuff, you know? Not so much with uh, with Jedi, although I did have some cool stuff. For years and years, I had a um, I had a waste paper basket that was a Return of the Jedi waste paper basket that I love that damn thing because I love the art that was on it. You know, it was really, really uh-huh. cool. And just weird stuff like that, but very few of the actual toys. It was more like you know, really cool T-shirts. I had a, a really nice T-shirt that was uh, speeder bike pilots on it. Stuff like, you know, it was just more of the, I guess what you would call like the traditional merchandising that we've come to see, you know, with modern movies, you know, where you just have like T-shirts and the, you know, the occasional, you know, weird thing, posters. I still have all my posters. That I was glad that I saved because I actually, somewhere I actually have a Revenge of the Jedi poster. And it was the one where it was Vader's head, and then like inside Vader's head was Luke and Vader, and Vader battling with lightsabers, and they they are each holding the wrong color sword because Vader's got a blue lightsaber and Luke's got the red lightsaber, and that's it's an actual Revenge of the Jedi poster. And then I've got the other one where it's uh, the Falcon and uh, and the Rebels uh, flying over the uncompleted Death Star as they're being like attacked by Tie Fighters, and so I love that. Saw a T-shirt of that not long ago. I I used to have like three Star Wars Iron-On T-shirts, and they were like my pride and joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love those T-shirts. One of Chewbacca and one of Luke and Princess Leia about to swing across a chasm, and the third one was just the movie poster and the, the you know the original movie poster, and that was my fa- that one was just like I wore that one to death. <laughs> It's kind of funny that you mentioned the glasses because about nine months ago, my wife and I were cleaning out the kitchen. No, it was last Thanksgiving. We were cleaning out the kitchen to get ready to get all the dishes down and stuff. And we found two sets of each, the Empire and Jedi glasses from Burger King. Ooh, They're just sitting up in the kitchen right now. Uh, and I loved the trading cards from Return of the Jedi too. I, I I bought the crap out of those, and they're really cheap on eBay. So if you want to pick a setup, uh, Scott, I might have to do that. Hard, yeah. yeah, probably have a pretty easy time finding it for like a, a set for ten fifteen bucks. Wow. Uh, good luck with Empire and Star Wars on that. By the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But there was like a red series, and the red series was like the early numbers, and then the blue series was the. It was like one to you know one fifty six were red, and then up to the. I don't think it was. I think there were like a, what like a hundred, two hundred of them, or something like that. Something like there. I really, yeah, them. I don't remember. I really don't remember, and I remember there was one of the restaurants had cards too, and I want to say it might have been Burger King had cards, and I've always wondered about. You know, the the cards for Star Wars that were 
not just the regular tops trading cards. I've always wondered what the market's like for those. Like say, like the original Wonder Bread cards for Star Wars. The I Wonder bet you those Bread are worth cards. A ton. They're not worth a ton. They, you know, they, it would be expensive to get a set, but sometimes they're not. Cards are not. Eh, it changes, but the Wonder Bread cards are not as insanely expensive as you would think. Hmm. I think the Battlestar Galactica ones might be actually the ones that are really collectible, probably because they weren't as popular. I think, now that I think about it, and it's funny, it never occurred to me before, but I think possibly the very first Star Wars thing I ever saw, I mean, like the first thing... Was a Wonder Bread yeah, I card, think it, right? I think it was L- the Luke Skywalker card, because it was Luke I remember you holding, bringing that into school. Yeah, he was holding a gaffe stick in his hand, and I just remember thinking, like, what the hell is that thing? You know, and not knowing What's what it was. What's going on here, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, just, just the salad that. years. Yeah. Oh, the, those Wonder Bread cards had. The, there was a beautiful picture of the Falcon taking yeah. off from tattooing on one of those Wonder Bread cards. It was just, and the the the, the colors of how it was printed was just beautiful. It was somewhere between that, almost a CG look, somewhere between a photograph and a painting. They were beautiful. And that's what all those Wonder Bread cards had that look yeah. of, you know. As as nice as the Topps cards were, the Wonder Bread cards put them to shame. They were really, really nice yeah. pictures in, in all of those cards. I remember the 3PO one was really the, nice. Yes. You could see the dirt. You could see, like, the dirt on C-3PO. Yeah. Oh, you could see the dirt on everything. <laughs> the great thing about that era, though, uh, and, and it's something you see now because anytime a movie comes out, there's toothpaste and toothbrushes. So, right. so it's not special anymore, as in being unique, or as you know, riding the short bus. But um, they slapped Return of the Jedi on everything, right? Absolutely everything. There is a commercial, which, thanks to uh, I forget who. Uh, reminded me of the name I found on YouTube. And this is a commercial jingle that has been stuck in my head since 1983. And it was the <laughs> Presto Magic Return of the Jedi makes the action come alive. And I just I just remember seeing that commercial like over and over and over again. And, you know, it, it was like the toys were great. You know, it's like you mentioned the Royal Guard. The Royal Guards were cool because it was actual cloth. Yeah. Uh, and that was very rare because usually when you got Star Wars, especially like their early, early action figures, the capes were all that cheap vinyl that ripped vinyl, really yeah. easy. Uh, and then your lo- the lightsaber would uh, fall out. But I found a workaround on that. My parents had uh, uh, toothpicks that were colored. Yeah, and they fit right in to where the oh they like the little like sword ones where you'd hold a sandwich together type of thing. Is no, they were just they were just regular toothpicks, but they were blue, red, party picks or something. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. they were blue, red, and green, and that was what was important to me. Um, But uh, just just all of that, the shrinky dinks, um, you know the the you guys would know more about the video games than I would. The only uh, Jedi video game, I'm not sure if it's the only one I ever played, but the only one I ever liked was the arcade game, the Return of the Jedi arcade game, because it was very different from the games that had come before. You know, the Star Wars and the uh, very rare 
Empire Strikes Back video games, they were both yeah. vector graphics games. But then Return of the Jedi came out, and by all rights, I should have hated it because it played very much like Zaxxon, which was a game I just fucking hated. But even though it was one of those sides, you know, or not side scroll, but it was like a diagonal scrolling game, and the controls were weird, and sometimes it was hard to tell. Like yeah. you would think you, you, you know, like the very first board is uh, uh, Luke and Leia are running up the screen, and Luke goes, "I see them." Wait, Leia, and then he jumps on. Is it him or is it Leia? Jumps on a uh, speeder bike, and then you're controlling that character. And it was a fucking bitch because you'd be flying through the the forest and you were both evading shots from the Imperials and trying to shoot them down. But you also had to dodge like trees and stumps and stuff like that. And the tripwires. Yeah. And the perspective on it was so weird that there was a lot of times you swore that, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'm going to miss this. And you'd plow right into it because the, the perspective was weird, which was the same problem I always had with Zaxxon is it was impossible sometimes to judge where you were in relation to other objects. And then, the per, you know, you'd, you'd be flying. And it was a really cool game because it was like it was reenacting sequences of the movie. So you'd be flying along doing that part, and all of a sudden it would the scene would literally change while you were playing, and you were Lando in the Falcon trying to fly into the Death Star superstructure. And it was really hard, but I liked that game a lot. I liked the music of it, and the graphics were pretty good, and it had actual like I digitized voices. It yeah, oh, it was hard. Because the part where I always used to die, I don't know that I ever did actually successfully complete it, but the part that I remember just used to frustrate the hell out of me was I finally got good enough to where I could fly the Falcon into the superstructure and blow up the Death Star, or, you know, the reactor, but then what would happen is like this radiation wave would start following you and the perspective would change and you'd have to fly back out. Well, there wasn't enough screen to see what was coming. So you had this wall of like fire chasing you and you were going faster and faster flying along. But you, in order to stay ahead of the flame, you had to go like the extreme left hand side of the board to stay ahead of it. Well, then by flying that far ahead of the flame, you couldn't see what the next obstacle was, and you just plow into it every time. And it was, I don't know, if anybody ever beat that game, I'd love to see it, because I couldn't i couldn't get the hang of it. I could go in and, and blow the thing up, but I couldn't survive, you know what I mean? But it was, I, There's got to be like, clips of it on YouTube. Oh, yeah, I'll have to look that up. I'd really like to see, like, the... You know the videos of you know how far how they actually did. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I still liked it, even though I sucked at it. I used to still pump quarters into it. I really enjoyed it. But I don't think I ever played any of the uh, the home video games for for Jedi. They just never they never looked appealing to me. Well, I th- I've played the Super NES version. I think after Super NES, there hasn't really been a full ah! version of the Jedi one. Ooh. Fuck Super well, Nintendo the- Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Super Nintendo Star Wars right up its ass. My <laughs> God, can you design a game that is harder? Jesus. It's like I've tried all three because we have them in the house. Because we have a functioning Super Nintendo in the house. And every once in a while, I lose my fucking mind. And I'm like, I'm going to try playing it again. And I hook it up. And I put oh. in Star Wars. And I get through the first level, and I die. 
And then, okay, well, I'll try Empire. And I'll and, 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 and Jedi is the farthest I've ever gotten. But you got to flip around that fucking Bantha thing. Uh, is that Jedi or is that Star Wars? What am I thinking of? What is the beginning of Jedi? Beginning of Jedi, you're, uh, you're trying to get to Jabba's palace, which for some reason involves crossing huge cliffs and chasms. Okay. Either way, fuck Super Nintendo Star Wars. <laughs> I uh, downloaded them for an emulator, a uh, to- totally yeah. illegal emulator, uh, this summer, and I beat the first one with the help of, like, the save points. The second one, I got stuck on Hoth, no matter how many, like, times I cheated and used a, like, save point or restore point. Jedi, I completely gave up on. The Rogue Squadron series, one of the Rogue Squadrons had an awesome Battle of Endor that was entirely exactly like being in the movie. It was awesome. Was that Rogue Leader? I think that was the last it level might of be Rogue, Rogue Leader, Leader, I think. Yeah, I heard about that. I know, I couldn't make it that far into that game. Really good. Well, I cheat. I, I got <laughs> cheats into it. Because I don't Alliance, care. Uh, I don't want to play this story. What's that? What X-Wing was that Alliance, which is one of the... X-Wing Alliance, which is one of the LucasArts computer games, the flight simulators they... They had a Battle of Endor level two, which was like really long and involved. Hmm. You can actually buy the Super Nintendo Star Wars games, all three of them, and an Indiana Jones game through the Wii, uh, directly from like the Wii. Ah, uh, right. Wii Center. Which, which Indiana Jones game? I'll have to look it up. Um, but it, but but there's an Indiana Jones game, hmm. and I'm like, that's cool. I just. I just didn't. I I have to buy. You have to basically buy a like a eight gig or sixteen gig flash card oh, or a okay. SD card to plug into the thing. So because because you don't have enough internal memory to do it uh, or hard drive space, not memory. I know the difference between that. But yeah, <laughs> if you want an exercise in futility, folks, go for it. But uh, swear to God, you'll kill the cat by the end of the night because you'll just grab the first <laughs> thing that's alive and strangle it. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> it makes me so angry thinking of why would you make it so hard? I mean, at least with the sit down uh, game that came out like a decade or so ago uh, that I found at like movie theaters and there was a place here that had one. Oh, Star where... Wars Trilogy Arcade? Yes. Oh, yes. God, that one's that, fun. That game. God, that is so much fun. And I, I will, I will. Well, it's made to have fun. It's not made to like play over and over again and memorize. It, it works you through every little level, so right. you get to get a little taste of everything. But yeah, I mean, talk about feeling like you're in the movie. Just, just that whole, especially the first sequence where you're making your first run on the Death Star, and they actually put you in the trench. It's like, holy crap, I'm in the trench. This is so yeah. awesome. <laughs> this is great. And the music's blaring, and it's just like, wow, I am Luke Skywalker at this moment. Well, I love the speeder bike chase in, mm-hmm. uh, in Star Wars Trilogy Arcade. It, it's really exciting, and that, to me, feels like you are in that sequence of that movie. I really like that. Because yes. you'll come... You know, there's ang- there's parts of it where you have to do like a ha- a hard angle right or a hard angle left, and you'll come around into a clearing, and there's an ATSD waiting for you. You know, and takes pot shots. I love stuff like that. That's a really really good game. And then uh, 
each of the levels I liked because there was a, a nice lengthy sequence that's basically a first person shooter. And I remember the one on Hoth was uh, going through Echo Base and stuff would, you know, like pop out at you. And, you know, they would pull that that little trick that from like those old shooter uh, police games, you know, where like the innocent person would pop up. And if you hit them, you know, it'd go, oh, no, and stuff like that, where they would have like R2 and 3PO. Yeah, they would run through the scene. And if you shot at them, you know, you lost points or something like that. Well, I remember they, uh, the my favorite level of that was the Battle of Endor level because you had all these trees and stuff obscuring your view. So a lot of times all you might catch is like a glimpse of like the top of a Stormtrooper helmet or something like that. And then the ones that were really tough were like the Imperial officers because they were in an olive green uniform and then they were in the woods. So they were really hard to see. So it was a much more challenging level. And uh, and I like for you know first person shooters, so that was a lot of fun. I really dug that game a lot. And then I think the big boss battle in that one is uh, is the final battle with Vader on the stairs, isn't it? Uh-huh. I think. Um, well, there's there's little bonus things that you could do, but the arcade game at the end of the Battle of Endor, you have to fight a giant ATST. But uh, there's bonus levels where you fight um, Darth Vader on the stairs. Right, and uh, there's also one where you fight uh, Boba Fett on the sail barge on the skiff. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that's right. Yep. And if you survive like the three levels, they do a bonus level where you go into the uh, third Death Star, which I love. Oh wow! I don't the think the third I ever Death did Star. That. Excuse me, the second Death Star. Look right. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You're Lando in the Millennium Falcon, and you're um yeah. You like go in, you shoot the core, and you get the heck out of there. Huh. I don't think I, uh, I ever did the bonus level on that. I probably couldn't beat the uh, the boss battles on that because that Boba Fett one uh-huh. used to kick my ass. Yeah, I only was the, able to beat both of them this year. The the Lego Return of the Jedi is a lot of fun too. By the way, uh-huh. uh huh. Well, the Lego Star Wars in general is a is a freaking ball. And but, a dictate. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, uh-huh. but no, I, I like, I like the Jedi one, even though that first Jabba's barge thing is really freaking involved, like annoyingly. Cause you have to like open the doors and stuff and, and, and that gets kind of tedious after a while and then go back yeah. and do stuff. Yeah. It's, you have to like yeah. destroy it. You have to like use the key and you have to find the key to like open a thing and then go into the thing and then you bring like something out of it which helps you build the stairs to get to the top but you've yeah. only built one third of the stairs so but they're fun but the speeder bike portion of that is hard but it's actually a lot of fun too uh, especially when to to get cuz cuz you go like four laps around it on your speeders but between that, you have to do other little things, and you can actually hop into an ATST and like shoot. Yeah, yeah, it's just a ball. <laughs> you have to shoot something to make a bridge on that part. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh-huh. it, it, I hate it. I hate it when I'm trying to build something, and then like something shoots me, and I'm like, "Stop! I'm trying to build this. I'm trying to yeah, build I... this. Leave me alone." <laughs> Stupid walker, and then you kill the guys. Like, okay, now I can go back to building, but then they come back. I love how you can go and walk around your little Lego museum. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. what I love about that game. The funny thing about the throne room battle in that is, like, uh, 
in order to make it a two-player, because every level is like two players, in order to make the throne room battle two players, Darth Vader immediately turns on the Emperor at the beginning of the battle. Like, in yeah. the cuts, he just like brings Luke there like, hey, here's my son. And the Emperor's like, cool, lightning hands! And then Darth Vader's like, oh, heck no. So then like, you, you guys like chase the Emperor around the whole throne room and you have to solve puzzles in order to like get to where he is at some points. Now, Chris has something to share with us. <clears throat> but uh, before we get to that, I do want to... One of my... Um, one of my favorite memories of Return of the Jedi was the fact that it was the first film score I ever remember listening to outside of the film. There were some neighbors of ours named the Williams... And my my eldest sister Mary. Awesome. Uh, my eldest, yeah. <laughs> I never really put it together, but that's kind of funny. Um, my eldest sister Mary was friends with one of their daughters, Leslie, and they had the album to Return of the Jedi, the the score. And I remember, you know, I was over there for some reason. I think I was getting Mary. And I saw it. I go, "Can I listen to that?" And they handed it to me, and I ran home and I put it on our big because we had one of those hella heavy stereo systems that were popular uh -huh. in the 70s that also you know you know if you really needed firewood in the winter you could always chop it up and it was just huge and the speaker was amazing and but i remember sitting there putting it on and that initial star wars flourish hits and I was like, I'm listening to the Star Wars theme, and the movie's not on. And I and I ran around the room, and I got my toys, and I was playing with the music playing. I just, I'll just always remember that because especially the cover was uh, R2 and 3PO. It was either the cover or the back of it was them going the towards back. Jabba's palace. Yeah, that was the back cover. The front cover was that picture I've never really liked very much of uh, Luke's hands holding up his lightsaber, which actually um, the lightsaber on there was blue too. So it was, it was like, uh -huh. it didn't quite fit with the movie. You know, he had the green lightsaber in that movie. So yeah, I, I never liked that one. The, um, yeah, the, the lightsaber was originally blue. They made it green in post-production. If you watch the trailer for the movie, he has a blue lightsaber on the sail barge. Um, what, uh, from what I understand, they made it green in post-production because when he's fighting on Jabba's sail barge, it didn't look good against the blue sky. Really? That That's why they changed it? Yeah, that, that, that's what I've read. I mean, and if you go back and watch that original trailer, which I wasn't born when it came out, but I've seen it since on this thing called YouTube. Um, they, they post old movie trailers on that. Uh, he has the blue lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Now that you say that, I do remember that there was some... Uh some trailers where he had a blue lightsaber. I always just assume that, you know, they screwed up with the trailer, but that's, that's funny if they actually had filmed it blue and then changed it later. I don't think I ever, if I knew that I forgot it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it, do, it does. Know. Yeah, it does. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't, I have no idea if I'm in the minority with this opinion or not, but I've never really liked the green lightsaber. I, I never really liked when they, when they, I like you know, it. do you? Yes, I like the green lightsaber quite a bit. Because to me, even though it didn't make any sense, because Ben was obviously a Jedi Master and had a blue one, this was like Luke coming to into his own as a Jedi well, by having I'll, I'll, a green lightsaber. 
yeah, I can see that, you know, and, and you know, I even sort of agree with that. But at the same rate, I don't know, maybe this sounds really nitpicky or maybe it's just, the, you know, the, the purist in me or what. But I always like the idea that I thought you were going to say maybe it's the alcohol. Talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I just I remember when we got to, to Jedi and just thinking that, ooh, I did, you know, I don't like that they come in other colors. I like the fact that, you know, they were, you know, blue for the good guys and red for the bad guys, you know, because up to that point, you know, all the ones we'd ever seen, that was pretty much what they were. You know, both both Ben and Luke were the good guys. They each had a blue one. That's just how it was, you know. And then all of a sudden, now nah, Luke has to go and ruin it and have a green, green one. You know, it's just I remember well, green is that a way mix, when I was a kid. You know, green is a mix of blue and red. Ooh, that so adds to the duality of Luke the movie. Could, maybe it was saying Luke could was either a fusion or could have gone both ways towards the dark and the light or side of the force. Green means go. Red means stop. He was a he was a bi uh, sider, not a dark side or light side or a bi sider. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes, he has worked in both sides of the force. He experimented in the academy. You know, we all experiment a little bit during our academy days. What's this wee pale face? <laughs> oh, come on, I just Chris. Like saying that. I'm learning a lot about Scott. I mean, uh, Josh tonight. I learn something new about Scott <laughs> every time I talk to him. <laughs> like, for example, did you all know that Scott fought in the French Foreign Legion? Sure. I didn't even know it still existed, but he has the uniform. Uh-huh. So. Did you know? <laughs> did you Did you know that Scott Gardner once fought a bear? <laughs> In his whitey tidies. All right. Something to do with a woman. So are we to me now? Is that what, yes. is that what you guys are saying? Yes. I didn't have a lot of Star Star Wars toys from Jedi when I was a kid. I had the um, models. Like I had the light cycle model was, you know, my <laughs> the light pride. Cycle? Or the light cycle, the, you know, the speeder bike speeder model. Bike, yeah. I loved that. And it came with, you know, uh, you know the, the driver on it too, the, the trooper, the speeder bike trooper. And it was just awesome. You know, I don't know if it's so, the hour or the alcohol or what, but I just realized, dude, blue and red do not make green. Blue and red make like like purple or something. Blue and don't yellow. They? Blue and blue, yellow, yes. yes. Blue and yellow. Well, that blows that theory all the water. Well, it took you jeez, man. Yeah, we're all just yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. If you wouldn't have mentioned that people would have probably just gone with it anyway and I would have sounded smart. No, I just, so I just thanks, had a yingling and I was just like, that doesn't sound right, but I'm going to let this conversation Maybe it's me cuz I'm drunk. No, it's just me. Get up. Well, you know, yeah, in, in, the, in the land of Star Wars, you know, primary colors and everything, like it, the physics of it are all different. Ah. Right, right. I, they have different suns like Superman. But um, so I didn't think I was going to have a lot to add to this section except just, you know, my general memories of toys and commercials and stuff. But as the fates would have it, and I can't believe this happened, you know, just a few days before we recorded this. It's so perfect. It's insane. But um, um, my housemate, who's also my landlord, 
owned a secondhand clothing store or a vintage clothing store. And it was closing down at the end of the month. We had to be out of there, you know, by by Friday night. We had to have everything cleaned out. So she was throwing these big sales, and I was basically I was basically the clerk there, which <laughs> if you can imagine that, you know. And as it was getting closer and closer, we were having bag sales, and the bags were getting cheaper for a bag, and the bags were getting bigger. And at one point, she was like, "You know, a lot of people show up and they come and they but they don't have any money, and we weren't taking credit cards." So she's like, "If you want to barter." That's fine too, and she puts this up on Facebook, and then she, she said, you know, I like this and this, you know, bring this, and she's like, is there anything you would want anybody to bring in? I'm like, yes, Star Wars stuff, and so she just put Star Wars stuff into the list. Within, I don't know, a half hour, one of her friends popped up and said, I have some Star Wars stuff. Can I bring it in? And she's like, sure, and uh. We didn't really think anything of it because there were a million people saying, yeah, I'm coming in and yeah, I'm going to, you know, whatever, you know. Um, so as as um, as I was speaking earlier about um, a gentleman who was talking about Star Trek five at that moment, as I was talking to this other gentleman who came in who was bitching about Star Trek five. Um, in walks this little guy. He looks like Jesus. He's got the beard, the long hair, the mustache, you know. But in and you know, sort of backlit by the sun coming in behind him. What's he got in his arm? But the um Well, I don't it's not the shuttle Tiderium, but it's the Im- Imperial shuttle. In its box and propped on top of it is this giant plastic blaster. And he walks in. He's got. He goes. Okay, I got the first load of Star Wars stuff, and I'm. I've got a few more loads to bring in. And ah, uh, should I? How should I put it? I pretty much about shit my drawers at that point. He he he's just like, where do you want? Where do you want me to put these? I'm just like, just shove them right up my ass because they're going there for safekeeping right now, and. He just started bringing armload after armload of toys in. And this guy's probably around your guys' age. So he was, you know, there's a few Empire toys there, but it's mostly Jedi. And uh, I think he might have even been a little... Actually, he might have been about the same age as you, Michael, because one of the items that was in there was just a piece of brown cardboard that's like, you know, certificate of, you know, official Jedi certificate. You know, so-and-so is an official Jedi, blah, 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 and down at the bottom it's signed by Yoda. And I flipped it over, and it's from the back of an underoos box. So this guy had some underoos. So that, you know, he was, so he was pretty young when, when he collected all these toys. But he kept them all in the box. And I, I have here a partial list. I have a list here, but I guess I'll only read the stuff that's uh, Jedi- from it because since this is the Jedi show but there's some there's there's some you know original episode four and five stuff in here but uh, of course I I mentioned the the Imperial shuttle in the box which is an awesomely huge toy and I'm I'm 
trying to remember of our listener, the guy, he's in a podcast. He did a, I can't remember his name, but uh, I actually got him one of these that I found in Rochester. And he was like, you know what, I need one of those. I'll I'll pay you for that. And so now I have one sitting in my house. I got a, a scout walker. And it's the you know the scout walker you can grab you can grab onto the bottom. It's got a little trigger that make the feet walk. And I got that that giant blaster was really a figure case. And you know you could pop it open and it was just I mean I won't name the figures because I actually I don't have them written down. But this guy got pretty much most of the Return of the Jedi figures, and he kept all their guns and stuff in a little bag. Um, I got the the Rebel Transport, which is actually that's actually an Empire one. The Ewok Village. I in had its box. that. The Rebel do, Transport. Do, do, do. It's like a little little uh, suppository shaped vehicle, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like a big suppository, and yeah, and it's got a big handle in the middle that you yep. have to turn to open it up, you and know you what can always, cram a million figures in there. That always that ship always reminded me of those little roly poly bugs. Those ones, if you touch yes. them, they just yep. roll up into a little ball. That's what those things always reminded. Me. Yes, and it's like a tray in it where you can like stick figures. Mm-hmm. To sit or stand up. Yeah, that that was my first Star Wars vehicle ever. And it's got an escape hatch in mm-hmm. the bottom of it. Um, let's see. I got uh the Y wing fighter. Oh yes, which is awesome. I can't. And all these fighters, I can't wait. Well, I can't remember which one of them. One of them, I could tell. You could see like, you know how you, they all had batteries to make sound effects oh, and make yeah. their light light up. Yeah. One of them, one of them, and I can't remember which one of these. I think it's Slave One. Has you can see like the little metal nub where the batteries were that sticks out of the plastic. You can see that's corroded. So I know that one's got. Two I don't think just, Slave like, One was battery powered though, unless maybe like later editions were. But the one I it had it might be from the Jedi Empire. version of Sla- yeah, Slave. Yeah, it could one. be the one I had was but Empire it, edition, and it and it didn't have any like lights or anything. But it did have. It, it, it might be one of the other ones too. One of these other toys. I just remember noticing one of them was like corroded out. I've got the ISP Imperial Shuttle Pod B. Which is like the one of the weird, you know, non-movie toys yeah, that they made. I was going to ask about that because I didn't recognize that one at all. It's like a little mini. It's like a little. It's like an Imperial shuttle for one. It's just <laughs> like a little tiny Imperial shuttle. It's it's, and and if you go to our forum, I will be posting pictures of all of these. Plus, as a bonus, all the other ones that don't, you know. Now I'm picturing like Moff, Moff Gerard working at like. TGI Fridays or somebody going shuttle pod for how many for shuttle pod for one? Never mind. I guess it wasn't funny. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't got a battalion? Take the shuttle for one. Is is that the Gilger Gerard? <laughs> Gilger Gerard. Yes. There you go. But the Emperor asked the impossible. I need more whipped cream. Uh, you can tell him that when he arrives. You know, that, that, that scene will always stick with me because whenever we have corporate visits at work, that's the conversation I have with my manager. It's like, <laughs> we need to get this place cleaned up, but we need more men. <laughs> I always like that. Could, oh, go ahead. Perhaps you could tell the district manager when he gets <laughs> when here. <laughs> Chad Blankenship here? Yes. We shall double our efforts. <laughs> 
Ah, yes. Nerds are meet reaching management positions. And then, uh... I've, I've I got the 3PO and the Darth Vader figure cases stocked full of mostly... Mostly Jedi, but there's there's a good bunch of Empire figures in there. Uh, the Max Rebo band. With Max Rebo's little, you know, keyboard thing that he sits in. Now, well, who were the members? This I was trying to think of this the other day. To, um, to like test there was my... Max Rebo, Rebo Droopy, Droopy McCool. McCool. That was his name. Yeah. Size Snoodles. Size Snoodles, yeah. I think they were a three-piece combo. Yeah, I was trying yes. to remember the dude's name that didn't have any eyes or, you know, discernible eyes. And I was thinking it was Droopy, and I wasn't sure that was right. Yeah. But I also got yes. the B-Wing Fighter. Oh, I want that. I want it's that. It's got the sort of it's got the sort of gyroscope weighted cockpit yes. that stays stays that one's a little wonky. There's a few little crinkly things wrong with that. Uh the tie interceptor, one that I've always wanted. Yeah. The nice pointy I can't wait to get and and uh and to to all tie it up with two of Michael's toys, I got the battle I got the battle damage X Wing. Which is almost identical to the X-Wing I had as a kid, except for the battle damage on it. It does say you have to push down on R2 to make the wings deploy. And then it's got a little button in the back that, that fires the little red laser on the nose of it. And I got the exploding speeder bike. Which I didn't know was an exploding speeder bike till earlier this evening when I was sitting at my desk playing with it. And I pushed the button and the top popped off it and I was like, uh-oh, okay, I see. I remember now. The neat thing about that as I'm holding it in my hands right now is it's got the spring-loaded feet on it. And it's like perfectly balanced. So when you put it down, the, the feet just sort of like keep it at a, that sort of upright hovering position you would see in the movie. It's really cool. So I have all these Jedi toys to play with. I'm going to – I'll put up on the forum uh, in one of them they had the little – Kenner magazines that would come with it, the little pamphlets. Yeah, I love those. That have things. all the toys and the Jedi. It's like all the printings on this like shiny silver background. So I'm gonna do like really high quality scans of these and put them all up in the in the. It's really funny because the Jedi line had like the Rancor was new for the Jedi line, and uh, like they have the tattooing skiff available in here and it's like new available in 1985 so they don't even have a picture of it they just have a picture of the movie but uh yeah but then there, there's the uh, scout walker the battle damaged x-wing and the and the y-wing right right next the, the y-wing was just like i always thought the y-wing was one of the coolest rebel fighters of all of them I I I always thought the A wing was kind of boring. I had an A wing model that I was like not too hot with, and the B wing. I'm so excited about having the B wing. That one's a really neat. That's a that's that's one I've never had a like, any kind of, toy of. The Ewok Village. I put the Ewok Village together. It was. It was pretty cool. I don't have the boulder to to swing at people though, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh but the toys just a you know i mean as as always i would go out and buy the soundtrack i was disappointed by the soundtrack because oh, it was yes. one record and and it was just like oh after the the double record spectacular of star wars and empire which were both just 
epically awesome records it was just disappointing to be like to pick it to go and pick it up at the record store and realize it wasn't even a gatefold you know it was a skinny one record set and it was like really what the hell you know, well, is there it, not it that much did, music it was in this like movie? a double album because it did open up and there was the shot inside of it of the deaths, you know, the Star Destroyer approaching the Death Star right from the beginning of the movie. But remember, that was when they used to like glue one half shot where it should have been a two album set. So there was only one album in there, but it still folded out. Like, yeah, that was some of them. But by the time I got one, I got a cheaper re release. Uh, it was just one. It was just one single album. It was just an. It was kind of a cheap. It was, the the vinyl itself was thinner. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. So I think maybe the whole music industry might have been cheaping out on everything at that point. But I remember being sorely disappointed. I remember loving the soundtrack, but it was over in a heartbeat. Yep. You know, it was just sort of like a greatest hits of the movie, rather than, uh, than the full. You know even though those original soundtracks have since been expanded upon, it was still a just slim pickings. I think Yubnub is remember... missing from it. No, I, I, it's on there. Because I remember Scott yeah. memorized the lyrics. Yeah, yeah that, it is. Scott... It had... Uh, um, the first track was the main title, um, you know, leading right up until Vader, uh, you know, the whole... Uh, you know, we shall double our efforts and all that, you know, and he's, I hope so, Commander, for your sake and all that. That's where it cuts out. And then the second trap was, or the, yeah, second trap. Second track was called Into the Trap, but it's more of a concert version of, you know, the uh, attack on the Death Star by the Rebels. The third track was Luke and Leia, which, again, is more of a concert version than the actual version of Luke and Leia's conversation in the Ewok Tree Village. Then the fourth was called Parade of the Ewoks, which was very much like the Return of the Jedi's version of like uh, March of the Villains from the Superman soundtrack. Um, yeah. You got Han Solo Returns, um, Lopty Neck, which, you know, that always bugged me a little bit because it's not the movie version. There are yeah. actually two different versions, and this one was a little bit more like... Like a pop version. Studios. And, it was like a pop yeah. version. Yeah, well, yeah, very much so. And then uh, the forest battle again, another concert version, um, and not you know, it starts very much like the one heard in the movie, but it, it ends very much as a concert version. Um, you know, this I'm seeing here lists Rebel Briefing, but I don't remember that being on the original album. I'll have to listen to that sometime and see what it being on the original album. Um, a track called The Emperor, which is just, if I remember right, that was kind of a melding. To... the hell is that? I put on my version of Neck on my phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> I think The Emperor one uh, that was on this album was kind of... An... Isn't that generally just the... Oh. Yeah, it was kind of an amalgamation of different moments in the movie with The Emperor rather than like a right. scene right out, you know, a score scene right out of the movie. Um, one called Return of the Jedi, which um, is actually the whole sail barge part. You know, with it starts where Luke is being prodded out onto the the uh, plank and goes all the way through the destruction of Jabba's palace, or you know Jabba's sail barge. I mean, 
And then the last track was Ewok Celebration and Finale, which was, you know, Yub Nub all the way through the end of, you know, end of the credits. And so, you know, it, it's abbreviated to begin with. And then what? Like a solid third to possibly half of the album is concert versions rather than the film versions. And then to add insult to injury, you've got Lopty Neck is one of the friggin' you know, it's like, okay, I wouldn't mind getting that if it was a full two disc a double piece. album. Yeah, yeah. But you know, having that space tied up by something that's not very good and then not even the, the film version was just kinda like, come on, you know. So I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but I've always wondered if this poor release might owe into why I think the soundtrack to Return of the Jedi still has never really gotten its due. Because once the expanded one came out, you can hear that it is clearly, a, a, you know, should be considered a classic Williams score. Because I think it's just as good as the other two. And, yeah. uh, oh, and it's a sure. solid score, but just somehow I, I just never hear that one mentioned in the same breath with, you know, scores like, Star Wars, Empire, Superman, uh, Close Encounters, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., any of those. You know, I, I never hear it mentioned with those, and I think it's just as good. But, uh, yeah, that I can remember that being just horribly disappointed in the uh, original album release of, uh, of Return of the Jedi. I, just, I, I was not impressed with it, and I, don't, I didn't listen to it near as much as I listened to the other ones. And, of course, I went out and got the Jedi story of Jedi record which by that time I think was on Buena Vista was Disney I think you're right yeah and it was it, it, it all of a sudden was on the Buena Vista label instead of the 20th Century Fox label which was weird but still yeah I remember not and liking that one as good either it wasn't as good but it was comparable to the other ones anyway you know it was it was sort of predictably by that time though by the time return of the jedi came out you know was star wars out on hbo at that time yet i think it came on hbo around 84 so it came out probably just after jedi so we might not have been as like eager to replay jedi I vividly remember the day it came out on video, though. I made my mom drive me to this little mom and pop. Well, there like there was a blockbuster in 1984 uh, or 83 or whenever it came out. But I remember renting it and taking it home and being fascinated. Had to be at, It had to be 84 because we didn't get a VCR till around 1984. First movie we saw on our VCR, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, <laughs> nice. But, uh... But I remember Jedi coming out because it used to take a really long time for movies to come out onto video. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, nowadays it's like three months later it comes out on DVD. Uh, you know, it, 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 there was the echelon. There was theater, video, HBO, network TV. Well, sometimes like there was three... also theater and then there was like a year and then there was re-release and then... Yeah. But uh, but thankfully, as far as the score goes, you know, they, 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 they really tried to make up for that later. Around 93, they released that really nice box set yep. of yeah. Star Wars scores that had extra stuff on it. Uh, and then in, around the time of the re-releases, 
I believe around the time of the re-releases, they released the full scores to all the movies. That was the, um, when the special editions came out. Yeah. Because the, the, the scores on there are the special edition scores, but I still highly recommend yeah, them. Yeah, they're still nice. Uh, yeah. spe- the Star Wars one, the one... Sorry for, for those that get offended by such things. The New Hope one is excellent. And Empire sounds so crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And Jedi is just as awesome. So I, I agree with you. I was listening... Uh, in preparation for all of this, I, I, I popped Jedi on my Zune and listened to it as I've been, you know, driving to work and stuff. And it is an excellent, excellent score. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I mentioned this when we were talking about it on the, you know, in, in the episode where we were actually talking about the film. But the thing about the Jedi score is it has my favorite ending piece because in in, in all three of the original trilogy. Right there at the end of the score, Williams would have one final fanfare. And they were the same in Star Wars and Empire. But it was subtly changed in Jedi. Yeah. And it and it's kind Oh, it was the fancy going out one. Yeah, it was the best. This is the yeah, and it, it 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 always makes me sad when I listen to it because one, it's a it's a beautiful piece of music, but two. You realize this is Williams, at least at that point, putting his final flourish, you know, flourish on the Star yeah. Wars music. Because that's one of the few film franchises, I think, outside of Indiana Jones, where the same guy did all the films. Ooh. Well, the only other thing I can think that's, that's remotely like that is, uh, if I remember right, Sylvester did something sort of similar with the Back to the Future movies as the end okay. credits of those of the first two are virtually synonymous. But then if I if memory serves, the closing to Back to the Future 3's end credits, you know, it, it's it the way I would I would sum it up is like Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, the closing credits at the very, very end could almost have the words to be continued come up on the screen. Whereas Return of the Jedi, when it closes out at the end, you know by the music this is the end. You know, it's, it's got the kettle drums going dun dun yep. dun 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 dun. Yep. That always means the end. You know, yeah, it feels very very final. You know, like this is the closing of the last page of of a book. You know, and and I always liked that. I always thought that was a, a wonderful change up because I can remember hearing that for the first time. Which you know must have been in the theater and just being like, "Wow, you know he he changed it, you know, and, and being really kind of choked up about it too. I listened to that uh track that I was trying to remember real quick, the one called Rebel Briefing from the original album, because by the name of it, I was thinking that must be the part where you know general Mateen and mon mothman. mothman admiral which i know for a fact was not on the original album so i listened to it real quick and i don't know why it's called rebel briefing because it's actually once again it's a concert version it's actually the music from about the point where the death star has just been destroyed and the ewoks are celebrating and han and leia talk right up to where uh luke burns the body so I don't know why in the hell that track is called Rebel Briefing, 
But that's what it is. And that was well, on the original album now that I listened to it. Because when it cuts away to um, Luke burning Darth Vader's costume, he and Leia have a debriefing. <laughs> I guess. It's one yeah. of the deleted scenes. They're rebels. It'll be on the Blu-ray. Yeah, they're both rebels. It, yeah. It, it, it's kind of funny, though, Scott, that you and I have similar disappointments with John Williams scores. Because I remember when I was 14 and finally got around to buying the score to Superman the movie, which at the time was just, I bought it on tape. But at the time, all there was was the double album and the extra long playing tape. Right. And I remember being disappointed with the March of the Villains concert suite. Yep. And also being very disappointed that the main theme was not the main theme. It From was the a movie, concert yeah. version of the yes. main theme. Yes, that and always what, irritated me too. And what irritates me is that when people do like YouTube videos with the Superman theme, that's the one they always use. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it just annoys the piss out of me. Well, I'll 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 pour salt in that wound by telling you that if you didn't have the album, the actual, you know, record then you actually got less score than yeah. even that because the tape and the CD that were later released for that original two-disc album were short tracks because I can remember when CD, you know, when everything started to go CD, whichever the hell year that was, I'm thinking this was like 89, 90s, because the very first CD I ever bought was uh, The Rocketeer. And I loved it so much, I was like, you know, I, I I fell victim to that trap of then I wanted to start buying everything on CD, even though I had, you know, the records and tapes. And I remember I had to special order Superman the movie. And when I got it and it was missing tracks, I was like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> and returned it because it was missing tracks. And uh, and I remember also I had to special order Return of the or excuse me, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And I got it, and it was that fucking Charles Gerhardt or whatever his name is. That one actually was not on CD. It was that one that's... If you ever see the album, it's the one where it's... It's a, actually a really nice album cover. It's a painting of Luke and his Hoth fatigues with, like, a tauntaun behind him. Yeah. And it's Char- that's Charles Gerhardt. So it's not even the, you know, the John Williams score, but that's the only one that was on CD. So yeah, that it's, came out. Yeah, CDs were wonky in those days, man. And I don't know if uh, I don't know when the hell Jedi. I don't remember Jedi ever being a uh, a score, but the one I'm looking at here for the original Jedi score is actually it. It has scans with it that are uh, Jedi on CD. So I don't. know. This may have been a foreign release. I'm. I really don't know. I know a lot of the the like the Polydor stuff ended up being released in uh like japan you know or other places overseas i don't know if that means they were bootlegs or what the hell the story was with that so but anyway i had it on uh, i had it on record. just weird license yeah probably well you know for a long time a lot of the williams stuff with in- the indiana jones trilogy like I can remember Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. Um, the only way to get them on CD for the longest time was to buy them from some foreign market. And, uh, yes, and they were worth a freaking fortune on uh, on eBay up until just you know the past couple of years when all of a sudden everybody stopped giving a shit about CDs. <laughs> does Does anybody have any weird anomalous uh, Jedi 
merchandising. Like I, I, I have a Return of the Jedi um, pillowcase on my pillow right now. When I was the... young, I had the bed sheets, and um, I think that they uh-huh. must have been second hand, as, as sick as that sounds, because it was like um, when I was young, it was the '90s, and these, and this was obviously not the '90s Return of the Jedi logo. This was like the '80s logo, and. It had Ewoks yeah, and stuff on it. Um, yeah, and they were like colorful and kind of flannelly, right? Yeah, yeah, I loved that. Um, our uh, the the drummer in our band has those sheets, and she's used them to like soundproof part of her basement, so they're hanging like from her. I get to see them when I come down all the time, and it has uh, Luke and Leia and their uh, speeder bot, you know, and their jungle fatigues, you know, where they take the speeder bikes, you know, with the little hats and stuff. I have the Lopty Neck MP3 on my iPhone because I like it better than Jedi Rocks. I'm with you on that. Scott's a Jedi Rocks booster. Oh, does anyone remember Micro Machines? Yeah. Yeah. I had, they had, they used to have play sets for all the movies. This is back when, like, there was a big merchandising push for Star Wars in 1995. Because they were re-releasing mm-hmm. the VHSs two years before yes. the special editions, I had the Sarlacc pit, and this is back before the Sarlacc pit had a beak, and like it was right next to Jabba's palace. It came with a barge and a little size noodles and a Jabba. I don't remember what else it came with, but I had that. Were that was it the what were they was that were those the ones that they came in like a head? They were in like you would have like a C three PO head and you would open it up and it would be the playset. I know what you're talking I've about. Seen those. I know what you're talking about, but this one wasn't a head. It was it was Tatooine and they had like Jabba's palace right next to the pit for some reason. And you could like press a button and the pit's jaws would open and close. Um I used to throw Jabba in there for fun. And uh my friend didn't know Size Noodle's name, so he actually called her Mimi Kaka Pee because that's what he thought she was singing. <laughs> Mimi Kaka Pee I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it's what it's, it's what a nine-year-old would come up with too, which is how old we were, give or take. I uh, I don't have much in the way of like really any Star Wars. Uh, stuff in the house right now. I have the, I have a little trade paperback of the three novelizations, which one day I will read. I swear to God. Um, I have the 1992 box set of the VHSs, and the only reason I know it's 1992 is that there's a message from George Lucas on the side, saying that now, 15 years later, you can watch it again. Uh, and I double dipped when in 2005, when the the original trilogy came out on DVD for the first time, to much fanfare. Uh, I bought the box set. Uh, I went like the day it came out. I went and bought the box set, and uh, like a year, two years later, sometime later, they started releasing singly two disc sets of all the movies that had the special edition. And on the second disc, it had the original the- theatrical edition. Amen. I have that one. And yep. I and I double dipped on that because I wanted a I wanted a version of Star Wars that did not say Episode Four in the opening crawl of Star Wars. I just I just wanted that because it, it felt right to me, and I like having those mainly because 
with Jedi, I really don't hold the I, I don't hold the special edition stuff against Jedi because Jedi was the one he fucked with the least, really. Um, you know, Star Wars, he did a lot of stuff that really stood out. With Jedi, it, it, right. it, it wasn't as bad. You know, you had Jedi rocks, which is annoying. And, and my we were watching it the other night. My wife was just very annoyed at the whole thing. Uh, I heard on the Blu-ray they gave uh, they, they gave size noodles like baggy pants and stuff, and they have a wrap now. <laughs> oh God! Um, uh... <laughs> but you know, I, I I think the only reason that the Jedi rocks thing doesn't bug me as much is the little shot that they inserted of Boba Fett kind of hitting on the dancers. Yes, uh, which which is totally what the Fett man would do. Um, which has a continuity error because his uh, antenna's on the wrong side of his helmet, and then when he goes to stand back next to Jabba, it's on the other side. Well, it's it, it's alive and, and moves on its own, but but I just I just like having the original it's tracking women, the original version because Yubnub is seared into my brain as the end of Jedi. And uh-huh. to the point where, you know, you have the celebrate the life thing at the end, and that yeah. goes right into the Star Wars theme, and that's how I hear it, to the point when I was sitting in the theater watching the special edition release, and they had that new piece of music, which I think I mentioned in the movie episode, you know, I like it, it's a fine piece of music, but it just wasn't what I remembered, you know? And it doesn't flow the same way, and, for sure. You know, it's kind of jarring, actually. You know, and and sometimes sense memory to me is more important than mm-hmm. you know. You added new scenes and stuff, even if the music is fine. So, um, part of me the other night when I was at Toys R Us wanted to start buying Star Wars toys again, and then I ran away, literally ran out of the Star Wars department because I don't need to start doing that at all. <laughs> the last thing I need right now is to collect yeah. something new. <laughs> I like to do it by, like, if they find me or if I find them in a rummage yeah. show for cheap, then, okay, I'll add it to the collection. But, like, I, I've given up on seeking stuff out, you know, except for a few things. But, you know, that that, that desire, like, for one, I gave up long ago. I've got the book called the Star Wars, you know, Super Collector's Wish Book, and it's just an anal retentive encyclopedia of every little merchandising device, and it's a checklist. And I and I'm looking at this thing, going, who has the money, time, to to like actually even think about like completing this checklist, you know? Right. And 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 or resources to do it. And, uh, yeah, so I gave up a long time ago. It's like there's so many Star Wars toys in the universe. I'll just wait. It's just more exciting to see which one will bump into me. And if it's one, you know, there's so many of them that, you know, you're going to constantly be surprised that they even exist, you know. And that's not even touching the, like, new stuff, you know, and the new trilogies, prequel stuff. It's, yeah, so I just... I just wait for fate to bring my Star Wars to me. I, I couldn't imagine going to the store at this point and buying a brand new Star Wars figure. I just 
I'd rather spend oh, actually, it on I, I food. Keep, I keep an eye open for select ones every once in a while because uh-huh. they have uh, they've really delved into like the EU stuff a lot more with the action figures. Right. And so I, you know, I keep an eye out for like, you know, particularly obscure Fenchisa ones. Yeah, Fenchisa like yeah. or, you know, I'm loving the, the Marvel Comics ones that they've put out. And they've actually put out some from the from the Dark Horse material, too, because I'm still chasing a. Um, um, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm uh, Quinlan Voss. Oh, right, I almost forgot right. his name. Yeah, but they've put out several different figures of him. I still don't have one, but I'm still chasing them. You know, stuff like that. So I like the really, really obscure ones. I mean, one of one of my biggest geek outs ever was that two pack they put out. That was. Um, Luke. Oh, you got a two pack figure? Yeah, yeah it was a star two pack in Star Wars. No, it was uh, um, uh, what's her name? Lumaya and Luke. When Luke made his his double lightsabers and all that. And, uh, right, right. Yeah, that was awesome. And, but, and didn't uh, she have the whip? Did it have the yes, whip or something? Yeah, the yeah, the light, light whip. whip. Yeah. But uh, as far as just uh, you know, weird or whatever, Return of the Jedi stuff. I mean, because of limited space in in the in the place that we're renting, you know, a lot of my stuff is still boxed up. But I'm sure I've got tons and tons more than what's in front of me. But I just grabbed stuff that was like within my reach at the moment. I've got a stack of about oh I don't know this is probably about between 20 and 30 um, Return of the Jedi Dixie Cups. Uh, and uh-huh. while I, I like the Empire ones better just because I like Empire better, there is no denying that the coloring and the art on these is just... I don't know if I would say better than the than the Empire, but it's definitely very impressive. I mean, it, definitely the printing process and the color process is much better. It doesn't... For one thing, it doesn't have that Dixie wax cups. paper. You know, the the Empire right. ones were more like a wax paper. These are more like actual like paper cups. paper cups. Yeah, so the printing looks better on them, but they're really nice. I mean, there's one with you know the Mon Calamari, a bunch of them with the Ewoks, the Emperor, a bunch of stuff with with Jabba. But they're more character cups than anything. Whereas the Empire ones, I do believe, if you collected the whole set. I think they told a linear story. They told the story, yeah. Yeah, but these are not... I don't know about the Empire ones, but the the, the Jedi ones are not numbered, so trying to collect them is kind of a, a bitch because you don't know how many are in the set, you know? So, I don't know. One of these days I'll have to look and see. Maybe there's there's probably by now, there's probably some wiki or something somewhere that, you know, lays Or there's it a all. picture of the packaging yeah, or something. something to them. But uh, let's see what else I got here real quick. One thing that... Um, I was really big on collecting when we were kids, and I think you were too, Chris, was that, you know, back in these days, you know, again, these being the pre-videotape, pre, you know, uh, DVD days and pre-internet and all that, was, you know, you had to relive your movie in a number of ways. You know, you, you relived it through trading cards and comic books and stuff like that, but the one thing that was really big was, like, the collectible magazine. And I've got a bunch of these for Jedi. I've got the... Uh, Return of the Jedi Giant Collector's Compendium. Heroes, villains, creatures, and droids. And it looks like a magazine, but when you go to open it up, you actually open it up and it reads almost like a Playboy centerfold through the entire thing because it was printed that big. So that's really Uh cool. And then um, I've got several issues. It's like issues one, three, and four of the official Return of the Jedi poster magazine. And the posters in these were freaking awesome, man. 
One of them's got uh, up the poster is the uh, Star Destroyer approaching um, the Death Star, and you know the shuttle, t- you know the shuttles coming out of the bottom of it. Um, another one has two posters in the same magazine. It's got the Rancor in one and Han in another, and then there's another one of uh, of Vader and Jer Gerard from the beginning of the movie as a poster, and then a poster of a B wing attack blowing up a Star Destroyer. I always loved that picture. It's awesome. I have the uh, Return of the Jedi official collector's edition. You know, which again was the basically it was a magazine all about like the making of the movie, and these were always a lot of fun. This is where we always learned a lot about the people behind the movies, you know, Ben Burt and uh, Joe Johnston and guys like that. I always really liked reading that stuff. And uh, I have the Return of the Jedi sticker album, and maybe half of it is complete if I'm damn lucky. And most of the pictures are the pictures that you've seen 20 billion times everywhere else. But every once in a while, there's one that I'm like, hey, that's kind of rare. I don't remember ever seeing that anywhere else. Like there's one, the very last sticker in the book is Han and Wedge shaking hands. I thought that was really cool. Oh. So, you know, some some unique stuff. And then I don't like him as much, so I'm almost ashamed that I have more Return of the Jedi glasses than I do of uh, Star Wars or Empire, but they're still kind of cool. I just, the art. not as old. Yeah, they're not as old, and the art's not as good, I don't think. And the selection of, like, characters and scenes aren't as. The, the Empire ones are great. And one of these days, I yeah. really like to get a complete set of the Empire glasses. But the, the Jedi ones are kind of cool, too. But. Off the top of my head, that's that's pretty much all the the Jedi stuff I've I've really kept up with. I unfortunately I did not keep any of my toys. I mean, I kept them up until Scotty was an infink, and then one one time, you know, we had to well, print, got... so I sold all my Star Wars toys. Sucked. Now that I'm just looking around my room, I've got a ton of different Jabba the Huts. I just <laughs> actually got the Jabba the Hut in that that set of Star Wars stuff. One of the things was the Jabba the Hut on his platform you know and uh it's funny well one of the pictures i'll post up i took it and i've got the special edition job of the hut who's built exactly like that job of the hut the way the body is put together and the arms are and the proportions except it's got that different face with the like slantier more asian eyes you know what i mean the more almond eyes the the job of the hut from uh docking bay 94 yes i i had that it came with han and uh, I don't have the Han that went with it. I got it just as a piece in a box at a garage sale. But I put the two Jabba's, like, eyeballing each other. I took a picture of the two of them side by side, giving each other the hairy eyeball. So, uh, yeah, it's... And I've got lots of little... I've actually got that Micro Machines Jabba, but it's... Once again, it's just part of probably the set you were talking about. So it's just Jabba... And I think I've got like one of the like the um, Lando and the guard outfit from that. Does anybody have the blowjob Jabba? The blowjobba. The blowjobba. There was a Jabba figure. Oh no! That was some kind of toy that was Jabba the Hut, but his mouth was open in a circle. I had a picture of it for the longest time. It wasn't photoshopped because I saw it with my own eyes. Oh dear God! Why was he like that? I have no idea. I think something popped out of his mouth. 
Oh. That's that's unfortunate. Lucasfilm has a history of sometimes marketing or allowing their licensors licensees to market some pretty questionable you know Star Wars toys or maybe they do it on purpose because they've got a sick sense of humor but I think I seem to recall maybe it was you actually sending me a picture of that Jabba once and it's it's like a blow-up doll type of mouth where it's just too round and too wrong Especially with Jabba, there's nothing wrong round about his mouth. He's got that just sort of like rah, slit thing. Shoot Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's about all I can think of for actually, you know, specifically Jedi related toys that I have. Uh, in terms of editions of the movie, I have the nineteen ninety five VHS is still uh, even mm-hmm. though I haven't used a VCR in a while, the one where the cover's Yoda. Um, I remember they were promoting those on Raisin Bran or something like that. I don't remember in what context, but I remember. Yeah. I just, I just remember associating that that Yoda Return of the Jedi cover with ra- with a Raisin Bran cereal box, and I can't quite no, think I of kn- why. I know what you're talking about, and I'm actually I'm trying to think about it. There might have been some sort of tie-in with Raisin Bran where you could get it early or get money off it or something because i remember somehow i remember somehow if you bought raisin bran you got some sort of advantage on the release of that now that now that you're mentioning that yeah i've got like vhs of uh, once once dvds came out i started picking up all the and I had a couple of the VHS releases that I just bought when they came out, but I was picking them up like crazy at at garage sales because I sort of like I like the idea of having um, Star Wars in as many different formats as possible. At one time, I had all three all three of the original trilogies even on the laser disc, and I didn't have a laser disc player. And I, I I think I eventually sold those to somebody I knew who could actually watch them. Well, lastly, I kind of just wanted to talk briefly about, you know, what we felt was the uh, the legacy, so to speak, of uh, of Return of the Jedi. You know, the the stuff that have come come afterwards, and, and just kind of, you know, looking back at the at the whole the movie, the phenomenon, you know, what's come out of it, that sort of thing. And and for me, well, don't forget the memories. Oh, that's true. We we did, we forgot to talk about the memories. That was the big you the big. You forgot to you. talk about the memories. You, Scott Gardner, who has, who likes the boobies, has a preoccupation with the memories. Didn't even <laughs> even get to that part of the show. I, and you know, there's it's the title of the show, and they're going, "Where are the boobies? <laughs> Where's the beef? There's boobies all over the place in this movie. All of a sudden, no mo- no boobies in Star Wars, unless you count like." My friend Ken, who could look for the fraction of the second up Princess Leia's sleeve and see a little bit of side boob, well, but and get excited. U- about Ula it. has but her be, boobs. Is that if that's what we're talking about? But but to be fair with Star Leia. Wars, Leia's kind of flopped a little too. I mean, you could tell she was kind of stacked like the Library of Congress under that white dress. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had you had Leia, you had Ula, you had 
Gargan, which I didn't really want to think about all that much. Um, now, Gargan is a giant dancer, right? Yeah. Oh. With the, with the, what was it, six or eight sets of boobs, something like that? Well, yeah, three or four sets of boobs, yeah. but six or eight boobs, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which you'd think Scott would be the more the merrier type of guy, but <laughs> no. I guess not. Well, you're, you know, it yeah. doesn't help that I always thought that was a dude. It was just recently point out, pointed out to me that, nope, that's a woman and played by a woman, but I thought that it was a dude. I really did. So, what's that tell you? Well, there are <laughs> man, there are there are actual man boobs in Jedi too. Right, Rancor guy. Oh, yeah, Rancor, Rancor Keeper guy, has, yeah. has quite a set of man boobs <laughs> on him. So, yeah, all of a sudden, it's like the puberty of Star Wars movies, where you go from really no no kind of any any kind of skin to you know, I mean, it goes without saying. You got the Princess Leia bikini that's become mm-hmm. an icon and mm-hmm. a and a dirty Christmas or dirty Halloween outfit for girls nerd girls across the country. When we went to see Revenge of the Sith um, on opening night, there was someone dressed up in a Princess Leia bikini, and it was really accurate. And it was me, my brother, and um, a lady friend of my brother's, and we were, like, trying to figure out, you know, like, we wanted to ask her how she was holding it on, because there was no way that this thing was staying on by itself. And we're like, it's weird if a guy asks her, so we were trying to, like, get my uh, brother's like lady friend to go up and ask her about it and she said that there was like some glue or some velcro thing like underneath it but it was a really yes. accurate slave Leia um it, it, when we were cleaning out my um roommate's store that she pulled out these two things that looked like big flat round band-aids you know with with a peel off plastic on one side and the girl who worked there goes, "Oh, hey, look, it's boob paste. It's you know sticky pasties." And I'm like, "Are those those are for your boobs?" And she's like, "Yeah, they're for, they're for dresses that where you know slippage would be a problem. You put these on your boobs, and they have sticky on the sides of them, and they keep, they keep clothing malfunctions from happening. So I'll bet you Princess Leia had all sorts of clothing mal. You know, I'll bet you that girl had all sorts of you know." You know, um, damage control <laughs> going on to keep that th- to keep herself, you know, uh, or, or else she was gonna learn the hard way. I I just I just wonder how like when you have like a involved costume like that, how comfortable it is to sit through the movie. You know, it's been like I'm gonna go see the premiere of the movie in my stormtrooper outfit and then sit in the movie sweating with your stormtrooper helmet off, just sitting there baking in your own nerd juices through the whole movie. Going, you know, my ass really hurts right now. Worth I it. have been, I have been told by, uh, by a fellow I worked with uh, that's in the five hundred first and does several different outfits, uh, including a stormtrooper and Greedo. That, uh, you know, he gets a ball out of it. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a big thrill and all that. And you know, especially doing it for the kids and all. But he said it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's work. You know, because a lot of times you're sweating your ass off. You're uncomfortable. Yeah, you probably have to. You know, take those home and throw them in a pool full of bleach water. Right. To, <laughs> you know, they <laughs> ride, they pinch, they sweat, you yeah. know. So, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I'm uh, sure it's not as glamorous as it may seem, you know, although, although still, you know, if I, had the, if I had the money to get into something like that, I, I would. I think it'd be pretty cool. Well, I guess my point with 
the only point I can come to with the boobies, get it? Boobies point, I had to say it, is that, you know, a lot of people rip on Jedi for being sort of the kitty muppified version of Star Wars. But there was also stuff for dad. They they made sure to throw some stuff for dad in there, too. You had the cannibal teddy bears, but there was also some cheesecake for dad in it this time, which I think was an important addition to the Star Wars vocabulary. And, and, you know, and I think a lot of the, you know, complaints that people have with Jedi being kidified didn't seem to be a problem when the movie came out. It's only been in the intervening years of it, you know, and the, and the re-releases and that everybody's had a chance to chew it over. But when it first came out, I just recall everybody pretty much loving the Ewoks. And I was at that age where I probably should have hated them. But, hmm. But, but then you watched the two movies on ABC, and you were like, "Oh no, no, definitely hate them." Maybe, uh, maybe it was, maybe it was the boobs sweetening the deal that just made <laughs> people go, "Okay, teddy bears." Yeah. Funniest thing about those two movies: the first movie is them trying to rescue that girl's family. They spend the whole movie rescuing them, and then within the first two minutes of the second movie, they're slaughtered. Yeah. The, the for me, Jedi will always be special mainly because it was the first, it was the first one I saw in the theater. Uh, but you, you can't without that resolution to Luke and Han and Leia's story, uh, you know, the, the saga would have been incomplete and that may seem like, you know, like duh, Mike, you know, that's kind of obvious. But it's not. I mean, if Star Wars, if, if Empire had failed at the at the cinema, there may never have been a Jedi. You know, it, it, it's it seems like a silly concept, but you know, if if Star Wars had only done moderately well, and they didn't greenlight a sequel, you still have a fairly self-containing film there. You know introduce the heroes they beat the bad guys everyone gets medals at the end chewbacca has the last word cue the john williams music but you needed jedi after empire you needed to finish the story and while i i enjoyed the timothy zahn trilogy and thought when i was in high school that this would make a, a great series of star wars films as sequels you know that that for me, in a lot of ways, even though Leg- Star Wars Legacy, the comic book series, at least the three or four issues I read, was very good. I'm kind of done with those characters. You know, Jedi wrapped them up neatly for me. I really don't need to see what happens beyond that movie with Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie. You know, I I agree. I, I know that there are probably some very good books. You know. <laughs> Trusa Bakara, notwithstanding, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm sure there are some great novels where those characters are expanded and explored, and but I don't want to see Han Solo as a dad. You know, <laughs> he just doesn't fit in that mold for me. Oh, don't so, worry, they've killed off most of his kids anyway. Yeah, that's not the point. Uh, you know, Jedi, you have the confrontation between Darth Vader, you know, son and father and son. That relationship is resolved. 
you know, Luke ha- still has family with Leia. Leia and Han look like they're about to make the beast with <laughs> make the Wampo with two backs. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, Lando is part of the team now, even though I think it was Scott who was complaining during the, the comic adaptation episode that why didn't Han look at him and go, what the fuck, dude? Uh, right. Yes. <laughs> are, are you serious? But um, that would have made that one scene where he goes, okay, so she's the fastest ship in the fleet. So you're going to have to take her. Okay. So you promise I get her back, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. No, stop worrying. Okay. Oh, by the way, Lando, bam! <laughs> We're even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's it's not my favorite score, but I love the music. It's not my favorite of the Star Wars films, but I still love the movie in and of itself. Do I like the Ewoks? No, but I've explained why that is and don't really feel the need to go into it again. I, I think the legacy of Jedi is that it was good enough to make us hungry for Star Wars long after the film was out of the theaters. That's faux show. What about you, Josh? Any uh, final how do you, Jedi thoughts? How do you sum up Jedi? It's uh, it's not my favorite of the original three, but you know, like, because if you put Jedi for me, you know against the other two it doesn't hold up as well as it does but if you put it against thousands of other movies it's a lot better than them you know and hey you know still the weakest of the three original star wars movies is still a strong film i've been a little jaded by jedi over the years just because um when i was older i was i heard things about it from other people that yeah it kind of made the movie fall apart in my head and reading some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But it's still a pretty good, satisfying end to the trilogy. Um, there's some things that I wish that they would have done differently, but the final product is great. And just those climactic moments with the Battle of Endor to the Death Star exploding to everything to the, you know, to when it does celebrate the love or in some cases just a musical crescendo into the credits, That's that feels like a good ending and very, very uplifting. And I love it every time I watch it. I love, you know, Luke's giving into his anger briefly and fighting Darth Vader. And then just when he stops and just, it's, it's a very good ride that that movie takes you on. And the movie wasn't written for the purpose of setting up the expanded universe, but obviously all those post Jedi stuff, like, you know, were launched from the status quo set up here. So it was a really good launching pad for that, albeit unintentionally. So I, I like Jedi. I, I don't know what else I can say about it. I don't have any clever retort or anything, but I like Jedi. I can has Jedi. I like Jedi. <laughs> did I did I break up during that speech or something or? No, no man. No. Why were you getting teary eyed? Yes, a little bit. Oh, you mean <laughs> Skype? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was I breaking up? No, no. Okay. I'm just making bad jokes. Well, Scott, I guess that just leaves you, right? I guess so. Um. You know, I I felt pretty much like Mike for a long time as far as, you know, I didn't really need anything beyond, you know, sort of. I mean, when the when the movie first ended, you know, there was there was that tendency of, no, you know, I I want more, you know, go go further on. And then, you know, for a long time, I I, especially after the Marvel comics ended, 
you know, I was kind of like, well, you know, that that's good enough for me. And then the Zahn trilogy, what was that? Almost about 10 years later. Well, no, not quite 10 years. Cause that was in what? 90 or so. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of nice to drop in on them again and everything like that. But that it, it really was that trilogy that kind of put me off of the EU for a long, long time. Because I, I just didn't think it was very exciting. It didn't really pick up the way I wanted it to and everything. And it didn't really seem like it added um, anything new really it was almost you know it, it was still them kind of dealing with the remnants of the empire kind of mopping up and so for a long time it kind of put me off i've i've since kind of come around to where now because there is so much stuff beyond jedi in the eu and they've gone so many years beyond it i am kind of curious now and i and you know I, i'm on my little read through project and all that um but there's still sort of that thing of, you know, because Jedi was the last one, that's naturally, you know, that's that's what they've got to pick up and run with. And, and the characters as they're left in that movie is kind of what they have to run from. And that always was kind of weird to me because I actually like the characters better where they're at and their personalities and that sort of thing in Empire. You know, I mean, naturally, you can't go forward with this, with the saga with those characters because you know they become who they are in, in gone, Jedi. Yeah. But Jedi, just the way it is, as a, as a more kiddified, um, more uh, almost like more homogenized movie. I think that was another reason, you know, why the the EU didn't interest me all that much at what at you know for the longest time, but. I don't know, just in brief, I mean, I, I still love the movie. You know, like Josh said, you know, even if it's the, the you know, even the le- least Star Wars movie is still a Star Wars movie. It's still better than just about anything else that's out there for a movie. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take Return of the Jedi any day of the week. It's still a great movie. I still have a lot of fun watching it. I still really enjoy it. I'll watch it anytime you put it in front yeah, of me, pretty much. Exactly, you know. yeah. I mean that's the I mean I have the most quibbles with it that of any Star Wars movies but that's just like you know it's like if you have 3 kids and have to pick a favorite right know? yeah even if you have like a favorite a second favorite and a third favorite the degrees between that is so fine that you know it almost doesn't matter you know they they're almost the same thing they're almost one thing to me one big glob of Star Wars. That's true. So, yeah. Loves me some Return of the Jedi. Well, that's it for this week, folks. Thank you for joining us for Return of the Jedi Month. We hope you had as much fun listening to it as we had recording it. Be sure to visit our website at www.2truefreaks.libson.com for more exciting podcasts featuring both Chris Honeywell and myself, as well as several other sad and pathetic human beings who have nothing better to do with their time. 
If you are planning to venture over to Amazon.com anytime soon, be sure to follow the link on our website to get you there so that we get a little cut from whatever you might spend. It helps keep the lights on here at Demonzacore headquarters, and we really appreciate it. Join our forum if you haven't already at www.forumforgeeks.com, where you can comment on this show or any of our shows. You can interact with us and your fellow listeners. We have built a great, fun, and friendly community there, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So join us. As always, you can reach us by email at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. And of course, Chris and I, we're both on the Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, if you enjoyed this show, won't you please take just a moment to mention us on the social networking site of your choice whenever you listen to our shows. Word of mouth is still the best way to let others know about our show, and we really appreciate your helping to grow our listenership. Thanks again for listening, folks. We really do appreciate it. And be sure to join us again next week for even more Two True Freaks. we should do dark empire because this year it's uh it's the 20th anniversary of that one and that was I'd, the one that launched dark horse's line i'd be up for that i've never chris, read have it you, have you ever read that chris i haven't read it yet no it's, i think you sent me a copy of it it's very divisive among the fan base because like there's a lot of controversial things in there that like you just can't be mad about you either love it or hate it because Luke turns to the dark side. That's when they brought back Boba Fett, and the art is very different. Yeah, I did. I... Yeah, it's that Vage guy. Art. Uh, no, no, Vage wrote it. Uh, Cam Kennedy did the Cam art. Cam Kennedy, oh. yeah. But okay. They couldn't get him back for the third one though, because it was it was a quasi trilogy. Like the first one, like ha had a beginning, middle, and end, and then they, they the sequel was an afterthought. But then the sequel ends on a cliffhanger. And they couldn't actually do a full third one, so like everything was wrapped up in a two-issue miniseries called yeah. Empire's End.
you I, talk about diminishing returns, that was the definition of it, was that little trilogy right there, I thought. I, uh, I do know one thing about the extended universe, expanded universe, excuse me. Um, if it's before, like, a couple years before episode one, I really don't give a shit at all. <laughs> I've, re I've read a couple of the Omni like the Rise of the Sith omnibuses and, and stuff like that, and it's a sword and sorcery called Star Wars, and mm -hmm. it just didn't appeal to me at all. Uh, maybe it's because I, d I... I think the reason why I like the prequel novels and the, you know, the, the post-Jedi uh, novels is that, to a certain extent, I know the characters, so right. I have a frame of reference. Uh, one of the reasons why I don't like reading fantasy is very often you're dropped in the middle of this world that you, and sometimes learning about a world is fun, but I don't like that setting. You know, I, I, I want something that I, you know, setting Jedi in like, you know, medieval times almost in space just, just bored the shit out of me, actually. See, to me, Star Wars, like, is not the ancient Jedi and the ancient Sith and this battle of the dark side versus the light side. Like, to me, Star well, Wars... It's is... like the difference between now and Middle Earth or something. I don't care about Middle Earth <laughs> if I'm watching something about now, you know? I want to see an X-Wing shoot a Starfire. I want to see a Stormtrooper <laughs> a Rebel, you know? I don't, I don't oh, care shit. about, you know, the ancient Holocron and, you know, like, this is the ancient Jedi Master and he, you know, knows the ways of this lightsaber duel and the Sith and the Jedi, and I mean the Star Wars that I quote unquote grew up on. Uh, uh, Stormtroopers chasing rebels, right? Tie fighter X wings. The Jedi stuff was just gravy. I'm gonna be shit faced before we get into this thing. Are you? Are you bar drinking? Hell yeah, I am. Double white. <laughs> Your kids will be like, Mister, Mister. <laughs> My mother's having a baby. Yeah, fuck you. She better not, goddammit. <laughs> I guess Mecco actually released, you know, like, Return you of the Jedi be. Disco songs, even though Disco was dead three years earlier. <laughs> like, there's a Disco version of the Yum Nub song. Uh, is is there really? Yeah. I've heard that. And there's like a little rap in the middle. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. This exists. Hold on. No, I've got the twelve inch of it somewhere. I'm sure you do. I've got I've got I've got the twelve I've got the twelve inch of the Aragorn Aragorn Ballroom Orchestra doing the disco theme to Lord of the Rings. The original Ralph Bashki Bakshi Bashki. He was at Dragon Con last year. Or this year. It's just what you want to hear when you're on the disco dance floor is Ewoks. I just realized something. In our Battle and Order Space Wars, I played the Wedge character, mm -hmm. and my name was Wedgie Anteater. Right. Which goes right along with my whole Aardvark Ratnik right. thing. It does, an Aardvark is an Anteater, <laughs> so that's that works out pretty damn sweet. It does, actually. But, uh... You got any other uh, pre-movie release stuff you want to talk about before we move into the second part? Uh, I love that armor. It just looks really badass. Yeah. 
Yes, it does. Um, you know, I had like six, you know, like three different Hans, including my favorite was the the Bespin Han. Yeah, the, the Cloud City Han. He was always my, the one with the jacket. Uh, as a kid, I didn't like the vest Han, but that's because I had the hydrocephalic head yeah. figure. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and it just looked odd. But, you know, a Darth Vader uh, eventually got Yoda. And this was one of those things is they kept, one, they kept re-releasing figures under the new banner. Right. But two, everyone fucking carried Star Wars figures. Mm-hmm. So you'd have like a drugstore that, right. that ordered it two years ago, and it's still sitting on the shelf, and that's how you get your Ben Kenobi in 1983, right? You, you know. So, and one of my favorite childhood memories, outside of getting the Millennium Falcon, because for my playgroup and the kids that I knew going to school, that was if you had the Falcon, you you had the biggest dick on the playground, basically. Yeah. Um, there was a kid that had a Death Star playset, but we didn't realize how cool that was at the time. Um, also had the X-Wing, and the X-Wing had the damage stickers that you could put on it if you felt like it. And my Aunt yes. Ginny was visiting us, and we were playing Star Wars. She was playing Star Wars with me. She goes, okay, you got damage over, and I would fly the X-Wing over to her, and she'd put on one of the stickers. And by the end of the night, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Buy something or get the hell away from my team. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael. No, not him. It's stuff as I did from the other two movies just because I was, you know, I had hit that older age and I, you know, so as far as like the toys and little knick-knack collectibles and stuff like that. I didn't get this. <laughs> <laughs> it are, are can't you be. Not you.